welcome back to Vulcan Hello, the Incomparables Star Trek Discovery Flashcast. I am one of your hosts, Scott McNulty. I am joined, as always, by Jason Snell. Hello, Hello Jason. Scott McNulty. I'm going to sit over here in the corner and just recite the laws of logic <laughs> to myself quietly. <laughs> oh, you do that because I have something else to do. Introduce another guest. We have uh, a third uh, co-host this time around, uh, Aline Sims. Aline, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. We're excited, especially mm. since Jason apparently is locked in the prison of his own mind. Yeah, it's so the logic of I blame him. <laughs> we just have to read Alice in Wonderland mm-hmm. and he'll come uh, into a little bit of coherence. Uh, or perhaps we just need to give him some delicious tea. Oh, tea. Yes, I should mention, as always, <laughs> the uh, New Mexico Tea Company, nmtco.com. N-M-T-E-A-C-O dot com. Our sponsor, go to nmtco.com slash TV to take the Star Trek survey. Have you not taken that yet? Just take it. And you can also order tea for a discount by using the code that's on that page. And you will find among the selections there, uh, uh, Harcourt's Genuine Jippers, which I had today mm-hmm. and was a blue tea because NMTCO, mm-hmm. the New Mexico Tea Company, sent us tea, Scott, you and me yes. both. It's very exciting. And so I had some genuine jippers. And last night, before I went to bed, I had some Kelpian Fridelia tea, as seen on last week's episode (laughs) of Star Trek. They have a very fast turnaround, Mm. the New Mexico Tea Company. I'm very impressed. I They sent me some tea, and knowing that I know nothing about tea, they included uh, whatever the contraption is that you use to put the tea in and oh, put nice. it in the water. What is it, a strainer? Is that what it's called? A steeper? Infuser. There you go. See, this is... You can call I know whatever. about tea. Yeah. A, a tea thing. Uh, a tea thing. A tea thing. Yes, they sent me one of them, too. Uh, and so I, I made myself some tea with the help of Marisa, because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Help me with this. It's, it turns out not that hard to make tea. Not, not, not. Uh, <laughs> who knew? Uh, although I'm sure that people, tea enthusiasts, are writing me emails about it's, how I actually very hard yes uh but i I made myself a cup of the blue uh genuine jipper tea and uh i enjoyed it it's it's fruity it's It's fruity delicious blue it is blue that uh, it was it's so i knew it was going to be blue because people listeners uh have told us that it was blue and jason posted a picture of it uh but it was starting startlingly blue i did not think it was going to be as blue as it in fact i think it's illegal in the federation and only legal in romulan (laughs) space that's right. That's why my replicator would not make it. But for Harry me. Mudd doesn't care about your rules. He does not. But you know, he does care about America's favorite uh, Vulcan Hello segment, <laughs> Spotting Spock, <laughs> the search for Spock. Oh yeah, Scott. Can I ask you the question? <laughs> Please, Scott, do. is Spock in this episode? <gasps> Jason, I'm glad you asked because he is, in oh, fact, in this what? episode. Woo! We did it, everybody. The celebratory Spock sounds. <laughs> <laughs> Pacers? <laughs> I guess so. I don't know what those were. Katras, maybe? Um, Katrastones. Katrastones, yes. Uh, yes, Spock is in this episode. He's uh, not making any sense, but he's my, in it. My prediction, totally wrong, by the way. I thought he would, yes. his appearance would be a, a surprising episode ender, and then we wouldn't see him for another week, and they'd promote the heck out of it. And instead, he appeared at the end of the Next Time trailer last week, and uh, and. I, I wrote it down. It's like 14 minutes into the episode. There's Spock. He's just there. there he is. So there is, and this is uh, this is uh, the episode name is Light, Light and Shadow and Shadows, season two, yes. episode seven. I want to say seven. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think, I think it's the seven. halfway point. 
Mm-hmm. So we were, Jason, you were right about, we both kind of thought he would show up kind of midway through, uh, but we both were erroneous in our, our Spock timing yeah. within the episode. Yeah. I was hopeful, actually, that he would show up at the season finale and <laughs> they'd be like, finally, Spock, yes. we found you. But they don't. He's only in the one scene and then he leaves. <laughs> he just gives him a salute and then he's out of there. <laughs> no. Like, no we got Spock's with us now. Ethan Peck is Spock is with us. That's right. And it's hard uh, to judge how good he's doing as Spock because he doesn't do a whole lot in this episode that's very Spocky. So I'm not going to judge his Spock on this. Mm-hmm. There's time will tell. Hmm, yeah, time will tell. Uh, <laughs> that's what I say. Well, Ali, or will what you, it? What do you think? Because there might be a time oh. rift. But anyway, yeah, no, never, never you mind. This, there's so much happening in this episode that I really just want to talk about the last thirty seconds, which I know we cannot <laughs> stop to. <laughs> but that's where, that's what I want to talk about because I do think that it started off a little slow this episode, but then they just yeah. kind of piled on a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> it's interesting because last week we also had kind of a family reunion episode. So we're going through, mm-hmm. there, there probably isn't going to be a series, but like we're going through some family <laughs> reunion times for various uh, crew members, which is uh, kind of nice. I don't know. I had this moment where I was watching and I was like, I don't like this Amanda. I, I don't like her. Oh. And then she, she and, um, and mystery ambassador were having their little very low key argument. And she, she basically told him off very calmly, very logically. And I was like, all right. Yeah. I I like you. (laughs) You've won me over. You've won me over. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like she is, uh, she's been amongst Vulcans for so long, uh, that I feel like she's picked up a little bit of their, uh, kind of their logic and their cold demeanor to deal with them because Vulcans gotta be annoying. Yeah. I would be able to do it. Yeah, I mean, she married one. She loves one, and her son is half Vulcan and all that. But at the same time, I do think that it probably maybe wears on her a little bit, or she's, or she maybe takes some glee in tweaking them a little bit. I don't, I don't know. But I like, I like it here because, yeah, she's she's fiercely protective of her son. And then mm-hmm. when Sarek tries to make this like, I am the ambassador here, and you are my wife, she's like, mm, no, that's not how our relationship works. We're partners. You don't get to do that. You 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 can't pull rank on me. And there was a there's a moment where she says calls him husband, and I was like. Yeah. Somebody, uh, somebody was looking at uh, shor- at uh, what um, um, uh, Journey to Babel again, which I keep mentioning on here, but that is the touchstone of the Sarah Amanda relationship from the original series. And in those moments when she was doing that back and forth with him and called him husband, at one point I was like, they got it. Like the script got it, the performance got it. Like that is their, mm-hmm. their, their like really tight cup as a couple, but also. Um, make no mistake at just how strong Amanda is and how very little crap she will take from the Vulcans around her. And this, this episode really did, I think do that justice. Yes. And I think that might've been my, well, my second favorite moment in the episode, uh, is that, that terse, uh, or tense, I should say, uh, argument between Sarek and Amanda. Uh, and, and cause I was, I'm totally on Amanda's side because you feel like, well, Sarek is just, uh, he basically says, Oh, I need to turn over this fugitive. And you're like, but it's Spock. He didn't do it. You know, he didn't do it. Uh, but then, you know, he's like, oh, I have to turn it over because if we don't, then not only are you ruining my ambassadorial cred, but you are ruining Michael Burnham's career again. 
uh, and I liked his little snide again there. Uh, uh, but then he, he, he recovers by saying he doesn't want to lose both his children on the same day, uh, which I thought was very nice. Yep. Everyone's uh, taken aback by my deep appreciation of Sarek. No, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> I, I was happy that Sarek was there. He's doing his, uh, you know, um, meditating or whatever it is that he's doing. <laughs> oh, yeah, I wrote down what they call it. What do they call it? It's uh, somewhere. I don't know where it is. Yeah. I've lost it. I should say I it's, a, it's amongst so, many Spocks. So structurally, this episode is unlike, I'd say, many, if not most, um, discovery episodes in that it has a pretty clear A plot and B plot. Burnham mm-hmm. literally after the first scene just leaves the discovery <laughs> and right. has her mm-hmm. own little adventures on Vulcan and and then later on the Section 31 spaceship um, while meanwhile back in the vicinity of Saru's home planet um, there's wacky time shenanigans happening it's it's very timey-wimey very (laughs) timey-wimey it is incredibly timey-wimey and given that why don't we talk about so the timey-wimey stuff is uh may become important for the rest of the the arc but i feel like all of the arc work is happening with burnham and spock so we might as well just talk about the kind of the uh the space uh, or the time rift as tilly says everything sounds cooler with time in front (laughs) Uh of it uh and that whole the shenanigans with the shuttle and ash tyler and pike and all that stuff uh so basically they're still above uh the what's his face saru's planets uh calamar is that what it is no caminar no calamar is you you're thinking of dinner uh and uh, they're they're hanging out not because they have you know completely changed the society and maybe they should check on it and make sure everything's okay but because they want to do some more scanning of the temporal uh, disturbance um and, and turns out the disturbance is more than just uh, a disturbance and it turns into a big rift and for some reason uh captain pike well captain pike tells us why later uh decides he needs to pilot uh, a shuttlecraft in there because they they shot a probe in there and it didn't work or something like that so uh there's some nice stuff here, Ash. We continue to see Pike and Ash Tyler's relationship uh, develop a little bit. Uh, and there's a nice moment where they, they uh, uh, Ash Tyler's basically like, you need to tell me where Burnham is. And uh, Captain Pike says, no, I don't. Uh, and he says the chair outranks the badge, which I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of, so Light and Shadow is the name of the, the title of the episode. There's a lot of duality in this episode, right? So they show Ash Tyler literally turn his, I guess, Section 31 badges have the black side on one side and the, the gold side on the other. Uh, he flips it over. Or he has two badges. I don't know. I don't I'm know. I'm paying attention to that point. Yeah, he's uh, got, like, the, the regular badge and the, like, secret badge or the... <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I still don't know how I feel about these badges, but... Uh, they so they, cool. They're communicators, so, though, cool so that's cool. Badges. <laughs> I I think um, now. So I want to talk about uh, Tilly for a minute because one of the okay. things that I really liked in this is that again, this show directly addressing things that have happened, especially in season one. She talks about the time rift, and she's like, "It's freaking amazing!" Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she gets lectured by Saru, and she said, "Look, you said I couldn't curse," so it's just called out right there. And then she does, "Oh, what the frick?" Later, right, <laughs> just to call it, call it right back, which is just I, I love Tilly, but I think this is also you know the show is directly commenting on the fact that she's the uh, first person to to drop a an f bomb in a Star Trek 
show. So uh, she apparently Saru thought that Saru was unprofessional. <laughs> I would like to nominate myself to be the president of the Tilly Fan Club um, okay. because I she's my favorite. I I love her so much. Saru objects and says there should not be one, apparently. But, <laughs> but that's the clear and care philosophy we know from Saru. He's got to be stern right. in order to mm-hmm. in order to show you a little love later and have it matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tilly, along with Stamets, does sort of save the day in the end. But it's it's, it's I, I love that it's just it, it is a Star Trekky scenario happening, and yet without slowing things down too much, she's uh, allowing the show to comment on it and saying that everything is cooler <laughs> if you put time in front of it. It's a rift. No, it's a time rift. Like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's time stuff. Come on. <laughs> yeah, and Captain Pike is like, you know what? It does sound cool every time. <laughs> yep, you're yep. right. And, and Pike, Pike does the uh, also does the traditional Star Trek captain thing of saying, "I'm going to go to the most dangerous mm-hmm. part of the episode." And somebody, Saru, of course, has the thankless task of saying, uh, "But Captain, you shouldn't do that because you are a valuable member of the crew." And he's like, "But I don't want to hear it." And he's gone. Mm-hmm. And then, up, up. and it's like uh, part of my brain. It's like yes, logically this just makes sense, and the other part of my brain is aha, but it's Star Trek, and I get to do what I want, and it's just typical. Yep. Typical. He's the, he's the captain. It's the uh, he was Saru is often the data slash wharf of the <laughs> ship, you know, like captain. Yeah. Why are we doing this? Right. <laughs> yep. Yep. Because I, I want to. Because <laughs> there's a time rift out there, yeah. and I need to get closer to it. Uh, yeah, and I do. Well, Pike does kind of say, well, you know, I was a test pilot in my first career here in Starfleet, so I'm the most qualified, which is totally not true. I mean, it, it may be true <laughs> that he was a, a test pilot and he's qualified to do it, but there are plenty of other people on that ship. Like Tyler. Uh, that are, exactly, that are, are qualified to do this. I also like the fact, and I think we talked about this last week, Jason, that... Um, the discovery gets to do science like this is a sciencey thing so this is what the the ship was designed for uh, so there's mm-hmm. all kind of scanning and people are shooting probes and uh, lots of good use of the bridge crew again which i like mm-hmm. like they're not the main characters of the show but this year unlike most of last year they have names they say things they have stuff to do and you get the sense that our main characters know them and know their skill sets and appreciate them and that all like it just feels it's weird because like the bridge crew isn't like the main characters aren't just the people on the bridge but the bridge crew feels like a present crew they have stuff to do and in this situation you know they are all detmer and owo and the um i cannot remember the uh, i'm learning their names but like communication guy and scanning guy they're all doing their part and it's good Something that um, Justin pointed out as we were watching is in that first scene with Burnham and Pike as they're walking through the ship. He was like, did you notice that most of the extras in the background were women? And I was like, no. And that's something I really appreciate. I really, really love about this show is that there are a lot of non-men in prominent (laughs) roles, which I think is, I mean, there's like an android robot creature and you know but um i i love that about this season and i love that they're actually starting to bring them to the forefront as opposed to it being kind of the, the like the main bridge crew and it's in some ways it makes me really sad for like the next generation where we didn't get a lot of that we had like deanna troy and beverly crusher who were definitely you know women on the show but they were often mistreated and not given good roles and uh good you know 
juicy parts, you know, and we get that now with discovery and I love it. I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was thinking that when, in the scene with, uh, Captain Georgiou, uh, spoiler alert, Captain Georgiou shows up. Oh, yes. Uh, and, and when Burnham and Georgiou are, are, uh, fighting each other, uh, on the section 31 ship in the other part of the uh, show that we will get to. Uh, I was just thinking about how, how many strong female characters there are in, in the show. And it made me happy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what, else let's see okay so the, oh they're gonna need oh, we got more time stuff because you could get if you go slow go. you don't get the time bends which made me laugh as well because <laughs> that actually is not a bad metaphor right for what they're doing which is take it it's slow true. so it's not too you you won't want to get the bends or, or in this case the time bends pike has that moment of uh, seeing himself shooting tyler and he's like oh, oh man that, that can't be good right um, and he's like mm, maybe it wasn't. Good. <laughs> and they use the um they use the galileo 7 technique which we learn is apparently something you learn in flight school about flying a shuttle which is you put the plasma you, you eject the plasma behind your ship and you ignite it and it sets up a flare which uh you know is the whole like thing that happens with spock actually in the that uh, original series episode the galileo 7 so i thought that was a really cool callback where this is like no this is a thing that, that pilots know to do um dr mccoy doesn't know that and so he yells at spock in that episode but here we learn he's a doctor not a pilot pike exactly and pike <laughs> is doing the same thing because that's, that's like right. your technique and it totally works where the discovery mm-hmm. sees them in a weird time fractured way but that's the thing that gets them to know where the where the shuttle is since the shuttle is kind of drifting in the in the time rift uh, i really loved that visual language too of the of the time shifting and the time I don't know, dilation or changing or whatever it was, those inconsistencies. I thought they, from like a visual standpoint and friends who work in VFX probably, I don't know, maybe I'll pick that apart, but I thought it looked really good. I thought it was a great way to communicate what was going on. And then the, yes, the, the time ghosts, I enjoyed it. I also yeah. enjoyed so when they, uh, Ash, much like Dr. McCoy was, was like, we should not vent this plasma. You're, you're a crazy man, uh, Pike. Uh, and that leads us to that fight where, uh, Ash is like, listen, I know why you're doing this. I know why you put yourself in danger. It's because you feel guilty because you sat out the war. Uh, and now you're trying to make up for it. And Pike, uh, perhaps Ash hits a little too close to home. Pike is not very happy with that, but I enjoy that, that exchange, uh, because it's clearly what Pike is doing. That's the whole reason why he's on the discovery is he, he feels bad because they were sitting out there while everybody was, was doing the hard work of the war. Yeah. Then again, it's pretty rich for Ash to say that since I believe in a previous episode, he was like, Hey, we were doing a war back here while you guys were out there. Like he's kind of instigating this Ash same thing. complicated. Yeah, he's kind of a, just the Klingon part. He was like, no, no, that was Voke. That was Voke who was being a jerk to you. It wasn't me at all. Um, but they then then they get um, the, the complication, like being in a time rift is not bad enough. They get rammed by an object that it turns out is their own probe, but it's Ooh. it's 500 years old and has been upgraded and is now scanning the the ship and this is your like it's a weird complication that also is a question about the uh uh you know very clearly i would say to step into our red angel update uh slash speculation moment here like very clearly the show is saying uh yes this is about time travel it is absolutely about time travel because this thing has come from the future uh you know it's 500 years in the future and upgraded um and then my other note at this point is whoa the matrix because it looks very much like the little uh like uh oh, sentinels in the matrix that when it attacks them and don't they burnham starts uh, discovery one thing i've learned about discovery is it loves voiceovers so uh oh yeah yeah 
it's Burnham starts it off with a voiceover where she basically says, "Yep, uh, clear spa. Uh, the Red Angel is from the future, uh, and now we're figured we're trying to figure out the temporal shenanigans thanks to Saru's amazing eyes." So yeah. we we know. I don't even think that's a conspiracy. It has been confirmed. This Red Angel is somebody from the future. Well, that's the what they is. want you to think, but that's probably, oh, that's you think it's, it's a it's <laughs> it a, wouldn't be a, a conspiracy. Yeah, it could blind. be, but it's probably not. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but it was it was a it was a uh, an interesting little twist that the probe has been sent back, and I and I was frustrated later when they say, well, the probe was sent back and it tried to kill us, and the Red Angel was sent back <laughs> and it was doing nice things, but maybe, maybe and Pike is like, well, maybe us. maybe you know Tyler is right, and I'm sitting there thinking, or, or mm-hmm. maybe Factions. maybe somebody is trying to be nice and somebody else is trying to kill you, like, yeah. do, have mm-hmm. you thought about that? And I I suspect that they have thought about it, which is why they had Pike not talk about that because they want that to be surprising <laughs> later but it seemed to me mm-hmm. to be clear that the suggestion is that somebody in the future wants them to be saved and somebody in the future does not it's a, it's a temporal fan. cold war but no um, no, no this is a hot war about. it looks like <laughs> hot, to me very hot <laughs> Uh, yeah, and this is so. This is we know that uh, one thing we skipped over that I wanted to point out uh, is our confident Saru. Uh, mm. Once the uh, the shuttle is lost, uh, last season Saru might have had a moment of hesitation about what we need to do. Uh, this season Saru has lost his, his ganglia and gained his. He's got his groove back, uh, and so he knows. Nope, this mission has turned from one of investigation to rescue he gives off a whole bunch of orders and oh, he's the captain at that point right like he's exactly. doing he is he is the captain of discovery for, for mm-hmm. the rest of the show basically until he, mike gets back he doesn't need to check his little list of what uh famous starfleet captains do he just doesn't <laughs> uh which i liked i like the 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 shift of character with saru i i i'm looking forward to seeing more of that mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, now they've been attacked by the probe, and this is oh Stamets, and the mycelial network is the answer to everything. Uh, <laughs> but also a callback to the episode last season where uh, Mud came on and kept over and over again killing everybody. Uh, but Stamets was because of the the his tardigrade DNA uh, is outside of the it's time. Got a unique stream? relationship with time, I think they say. He's a time lord, basically, is what I'm saying. Which is, it's just he's actually just a lord, but I think it's cool when you add time in the beginning. Of it. Uh, and so he uh, he he can see stuff. So he uh, beams himself over to the shuttle. Well, uh, he has uh, Tilly. He has Tilly, he has Tilly beam him, and he says, "You'll you'll beam me." And a great line where she's like, "Oh man, I was afraid you were going to say that." I love Tilly. <laughs> I can, can I be in the fan club, Aline? <laughs> Yes. Okay. Yes. All are welcome. <laughs> okay. Hooray. Uh, yeah. Tilly's great. Uh, uh, and she beams him over 10 minutes. I like when he comes, he gets onto the shuttle and he's like, oh, hey, excuse me. Uh, and walks around and uh, says, oh, actually, I'll be here in 10 minutes from now. But uh, <laughs> let's uh, just focus eyes on the prize, everybody. Uh, because at that point, uh, the, the the probe has uh, broken through their shields and is uh was going to choke Tyler. I think he comes in after that. And this is when we see what Pike saw earlier, which is him shooting Tyler, but he wasn't actually shooting Tyler. <gasps> he was shooting the, uh, the metallic tentacle off of Tyler, uh, which then turns into some sort of, uh, data retrieval module that is sucking all the data out of the computer banks right. for some reason, which is really weird. versatile. 
isn't it weird though? It like, is. hey, I'm from the future and I need to know all this information about your shuttle. I mean, that is the mystery of this episode, right? It's like, why? Not, it's not just why were they scanning the the database, but it's like, why would somebody why? from the future need to scan my database? Don't you mm-hmm. already have it in the future? Don't <laughs> you know all this stuff? I wonder if it has anything to do with the information they got from the uh, the giant red knowledge ball uh, hmm. from a couple of uh, episodes ago. Hmm. Listen, that's not bad. We'll know. add that. We'll put that up on the uh, on the conspiracy <laughs> board, Scott. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. See, every once in a while, I have a, a good conspiracy theory. <laughs> I knew I bought this red yarn for a reason. <laughs> uh, and uh, you can yeah, make so yourself it's- a yarn angel. <gasps> <laughs> it's so pretty. It is pretty. Uh, uh, Stamet saves them. They get out. Yet yeah, all these characters do not die. Uh, they get out. Uh, they Which, get you know, uh, you never know. Uh, and they go back to. Uh, they blow up the shuttle and they blow up uh, the the probe robot thing. Problem solved, right, everybody? We don't need to worry about that anymore. Let's just completely forget the probe happened. Uh, I don't think it'll come up again. Mm, except Arium <laughs> is reviewing the data and red flashes enter her eyes. And perhaps our cyborg slash robot crew person is now, um, you know, implanted with some strange kind of virus Ooh. or other information yeah. from the other thing. So there's an ongoing sort of like, is something wrong with, uh, with Arium now? Hmm. Mm, I think they, they, I'm pretty sure there's something wrong with yeah, her. Yeah, but we don't know what, and we don't know how, we like don't even know how times. Arium works, right? We don't actually know if she's yeah. Is she a robot? Organic. Is she a cyborg? Yeah, uh, I don't know. John Syracuse could tell us, but we need more information. <laughs> But I am excited to, you know, as you were saying earlier, Jason, I'm excited to see more of her because she's been doing more like she she indexed. We know she can index data like nobody's business. Uh, and so we'll see what this uh, future probe. Right. I want to say alien, but I imagine this is what Star Trek does. It's like, you know, we, we were the monsters all along. Right. So I'm assuming it's, uh, it's like an from, AI uh, from the future. From the future. Yeah. That's from Starfleet or something. Probably. I don't know. Uh, and see what it's trying to do. Uh, woo. So that's that's the, the, the time rift segment. I don't think we... Have we missed any other exciting or interesting tidbits that we want to talk about in mm. that segment before we shift over? Mm, Why did the probe look like a squid? Like... <laughs> It's a natural mm. evolution of a probe. I guess, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, because it was cool? Because it was it in the Matrix? Cool. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe... The, the ten- tentacly things? Yeah. 500 years in the future, super intelligent squids rule the galaxy. Could be. You know, it could be worse. could be worse. <laughs> it could be better, though. I mean, I've never met a super intelligent squid, so I shouldn't assume. Maybe, yeah. maybe it's really great. That's the thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's the old saying. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so let's go to Vulcan, uh, where Michael Burnham goes to uh, check out if uh, Amanda uh, knows anything about Spock and where he is and, and what's happening. Uh, and you know what they say, Spock is always in the last place you look. <laughs> Uh, and, which is and in on, this case, on Vulcan in a on Vulcan, in, which is the first place you should look, really, for Spock. But in a cat Catrick, you know, chamber or something where he can hang out, he and can carve things into the wall. 
be shielded from uh, telepathic communication. I, for one, think it might be a little over the top that Sarek's house has his, its own uh, shuttle pad, but at the same time, you know, he is, he is, he's, it's probably he's, just more convenient. It's showy, but it's probably just more convenient given his line of work. Probably. It's, it's logical, Jason, that yeah. uh, he would have a shuttle pad. I just, I think because... the neighbors are like, who does he think he is? And then I, like, well, he is the Federation ambassador, so I guess, mm-hmm. I guess it's okay. And they got, they, the, the Sarek home is uh, full of uh, 3D chess boards. And as, as it should be. childhood flashbacks, actually. I was going to say, and memories. Yeah. And yep. glowy knickknacks on walls. Uh, mm-hmm. And also childhood memories of uh, Michael Burnham not being able to do the Vulcan salute. We've all been there. Yep. Uh, she has a good tutor in Baby Spock who shows her how to do it. Uh, I enjoy that when he she was laughing and he says, you find your error amusing. Uh, and she's like, sheesh, lighten up, Spock. <laughs> <laughs> well, they got to her, right? This is back when she's very human and, and hasn't like clamped down on her own emotions, which she does mm-hmm. which she does later. Also, again, I'm just going to say it, is there no like Vulcan... I was going to say, is there no Uber on Vulcan? But I would also <laughs> I would also say, is there no public transportation on Vulcan? Because I, I think for, you know, ex- plot expediency readings and show uh, or reasons and show budgetary reasons, but like, the next thing we see is Burnham flying her, her you know, warp shuttlecraft to the Vulcan statue temple f- place where Spock is. And I, I thought, really? That's like, that's like going <laughs> like, from, from place to place in a helicopter. <laughs> like, are you really it's clean doing energy, that? though, you know? You <laughs> I guess. I guess. I don't know. If you got a flying car, you should use it. I think that's exactly. I was going to say, if you owned a helicopter, Jason, you would take that. The Sark family, so privileged. Can't, why can they not be down on the ground like all the rest of the Vulcan slobs out there? Come on. Take the bus. We don't, <laughs> we don't know. They don't. We, Star Trek Four has shown us that Vulcans do not know how to take the bus. Oh. So no, you're right. You're right. Good uh, canon there. Good. That's yeah, another point for you. There. That's why you're the host. Yes, and so he's he's been uh, hidden away by Amanda in uh, this uh, secret uh, Vulcan. Well, it's not really a secret Vulcan temple; it's just a one of many Vulcan temples, apparently, that litter the Vulcan desert. Uh, and he is uh, repeating to himself uh, the first tenet of logic over and over again um, because uh, uh, he. he is trying to gather his wits, one imagines, and he's had some sort of traumatic experience. Uh, and this is where we find out a little bit uh, more about uh, Spock. Uh, Spock has a learning disability. We've never heard that before. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, I liked I like the idea that it's a uh, potentially inherited from his mother. But you know, does that mean his mother or from his human side? But mm. I, I think it's yeah, I think that's an interesting little color that he had har- a hard time and there was no support system for him on Vulcan because they didn't like him because he was half human. And so Amanda basically had to swoop in and be a uh, well, not a helicopter parent. What would it be shuttlecraft parent? A shuttlecraft parent <laughs> and <laughs> uh, and take care of him. And I I think that I I, I like. I've said this before, but like I feel like they're they are honoring the canon and then extrapolating some things about it, and so the idea that it really must have been horribly lonely for for Amanda and for Spock, and that Spock especially would have been ostracized, and now we find that he was you know as a little kid he was really struggling, and I think that's all kind of fascinating and maybe speaks to something about uh, about Spock's character that he overcame all of this later to be such a a success, even though maybe not in a way, again, that the Vulcans would approve of because they're jerks. Vulcans are jerks. And part of me uh, has to assume that the Vulcan educational system is not set up to assist people who are struggling in their studies in a kind and gentle manner. 
Uh, so, so Spock uh, yeah. did not have an easy go of it. Uh, and then that, that also leads to another part of the scene between Amanda and Sarek that I liked a lot is when they're arguing about uh, Spock's learning difficulties. And uh, she basically says he has a learning disability and I helped with it uh, and, you know, helped him work through it because the Vulcan Academy was not working. Uh, to which Sarek says, no, the Vulcan Academy, he, we sent him there and they fixed it. Uh, and Amanda's like, oh, Sarek. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yep. Uh, which is true. Uh, but then they call it back because not only is Spock, well, Spock mutters uh, a couple of things, the the first tenet of logic, uh, a couple of lines from Alice in Wonderland, but also uh, a string of numbers that uh, Amanda has searched uh, in many databases for and cannot find out what it means, uh, although she doesn't try to reverse the numbers which seems like something you would do yeah. uh, but it turns out because he has this kind of dyslexia uh, Michael Burnham figures out oh maybe the numbers are in reverse order and uh, turns out dear listener she cracked the are. code mm-hmm. she did it's amazing and this led, led to uh, the part that I want to talk about I've been wanting to talk about from the very beginning of this episode <laughs> but, 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 but wait 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 <laughs> You can't. We have to talk about the Section Thirty One ship and Georgia oh, yeah, first. Some, yeah. some, some, we, we I know. Skip over that. I know where you want to go, but all right. We have to respect Georgia though, because she'll beat me up if we don't. She, she will, will. <laughs> Mom, Michelle. Or, or worse yet, I, she'll I, find out all of my secrets and then use them against me. There's a, there's that moment where they're like, we should have Michelle Yeoh do more fight scenes because she's a <laughs> star of action mm-hmm. movies. So let's do that. And the way they they do it, where. Um, well, first off, Leland is like, oh, it's very sad. We're going to take good care of him. Why don't you run on ahead to the star base oh, yeah. and take care of yourself? Like get a, I don't know, massage or something. Go to the spa. Have a spa day. And then we'll catch up. We'll catch yeah. up. It'll be fine. You your shuttle. You can and I go. actually put in my notes like, seriously? And I was wondering like, is the show this dumb? And it's like, no, no. It's just, <laughs> it, it is meant to be a total fraud. And Giorgio immediately is like... Do not listen. They will. They will kill him and strip mine his memories and break and make him or you know kill him or drive him crazy. And uh, you can't do that. And uh, I know you don't trust me, but uh, you know I'm 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 looking out for you here. That's right. I'm complicated. And she says at one point, in fact, I know more about you than you can imagine, which is not to reference another show I love, uh, Counterpart. But I, I I get a vibe of that here, which is like I know your you know parallel world self so well and that Mm -hmm. it's not um you know you you might think it's it's different but it's not like it it really isn't i know that means i know you too and i liked i like that a lot and then she's like you're gonna have to hit me uh (laughs) and make it seem like you overpowered me and then and then it's just like okay it's like Uh not so not not so enthusiastically please it's like no it's it's gonna be fine and then they get we get our michelle yo uh fight scene which, and Michelle Yeoh is is such a, a good actor. There in that fight scene, you, there's a moment where I could see her uh, as Georgiou click in and say, "Oh, we're doing this for real, huh?" Uh, and then they just start actually just fighting, uh, which I enjoyed because you know it's supposed to be staged. But uh, Georgiou's like, ah, I, I have to really give as good as I get mm-hmm. if, if uh, Burnham's going to do this. Um, but Burnham does win and uh, breaks a perfectly fine display with Captain Georgiou's head. Um, and she falls on the ground. Mm. Yeah, that Leland guy is no good. Section 31, no good. No. 
he he pretends to be good, but he he's he's a bad guy. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He he's up. But I we also see a bunch of uh, I enjoy ships. Uh, we see a bunch of Section Thirty One ships. They all have a similar. They all look exactly alike. So I guess there's a particular class of yes. ship that uh, Section Thirty One oh, has. And you didn't you didn't mention the other big revelation about why uh, he why he's Leland's is no good is that George mm. was basically like I got you right where I want you because you need me. To keep Burnham from finding out that you are responsible for the death of her parents. Dun, dun, what? dun, dun. Yeah. I that and was she says, clowns. you're not calling the shots anymore. Basically, this is Georgia. Was like, <laughs> I, I have, I'm not going to even pretend that you're in charge anymore now, which is fascinating to me. Yeah, well, you know, when you're the head of a shadowy organization and you invite uh, uh, a shadowy figure to join, (laughs) uh, you got to be prepared for this. And he just was not prepared for it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how I feel about the you're responsible for the death of her parents, just because that feels like a little bit of the law of conservation of characters. Like this, how big is how small is this galaxy that like literally one of the eight people we've met is actually (laughs) secretly responsible for this whole part of Burnham's backstory? It seems Uh, a little bit much to me maybe the you there is section 31 although it is pretty maybe. clear she means leland yeah. himself but i don't know maybe yeah. the, their section 31 has arranged the whole klingon war or something i don't know i have i'm unsure about how they're handling section 31 i'm like still out like jury Aline jury is still out on this but <laughs> like section 31 is supposed to be like a super secret organization and i get that this is like a science research vessel and maybe they have knowledge that other people don't, but it seems like everybody knows about section 31 and they have like oversight, which isn't um, canonically a thing that has happened before. Like maybe this is the great section 31 schism that we'll see mm. where like mm-hmm. it starts out as, as kind of a, sh- a sanctioned shadow operation, but then is not and there's just like a big split that happens um, I, but I saw a an interview with the producers who said that's actually their intention is is, it? is that um th- this is that somewhere between i don't know if it's now but somewhere between now and deep space nine something happens that makes section 31 have to basically be officially shut down and go underground. And that that's the way they've, whether this is what they're going to show you or not, that's how they've justified it is this is an era where they're open, openly part of Starfleet and not a super secret group, but later they have to go back underground because of something unknown. Yeah. Okay. I can go with that. I don't know. Hmm. It, it, it's an explanation whether we like it or not uh, <laughs> i do think i think it's weird that uh you have your super secret spies wearing badges i am a super secret spy yeah <laughs> exactly uh but you know well, that, there is an argument cool toys. To, there's an argument to be made that i think I, I mentioned last week which is that discovery itself was a super secret mission science vessel with a experimental spore drive and we saw in the what uh first episode on discovery the third episode last season that there were people with black badges just moving around on the ship back then so i think you there's an argument to be made that um it's you know discovery is kind of um not the fleet at large and that you know and that you know pike knows about it because he's a captain but discovery knows about it maybe because they're all secret you know that their mission was all top secret too i don't know and they have they have section 31 observers i mean ash tyler is there but before that they maybe had section 31 folks assigned to them right 
trust the math. Hmm. Uh, I did write down Section 31 doesn't have a great security uh, program because uh, Burnham very quickly steals Spock away. Yeah. <laughs> I think I just have to headcanon that uh, Giorgio has placed everything in exactly the right way where Burnham can get to where she needs to be in time. And that and that Giorgio there is at the end to fire the phaser over her shoulder and they exchange a glance and she's like <laughs> shrugs. And she's like, what? I got to make this look real. And then she goes. That's great. It was, yeah, it was really, well, I, I mean, I, I'm fascinated by Giorgio as a character because um, we, we've been saying this whole season, like, I mean, clearly she's up to no good, but I'm not entirely sure whether she's not somebody who isn't like looking out for Burnham's best interests. It's this weird thing where it's like, Mm -hmm. just because she's got her own agenda and she's an amoral former dictator, uh, doesn't necessarily (laughs) mean that, uh, everything she does is going to be against what, uh, our, our friends on the discovery want that. And, and, and her love for Burnham, at least the other Burnham is part of that. It's fascinating. I, I like, I like how her motivations are so, unclear and so i mean i think the answer to the question of whose side is she on is she's on her side (laughs) and that's it Mm -hmm. but i like that she's in such a gray area whereas most of the like leland is like he's a he's a bad guy come on he's a bad guy yeah yeah we don't like him and his little uniform Hmm. and also remember that they're more worried about people coming onto the ship than they are people escaping the ship it's designed to keep people out I, just, I don't know. Uh, I'll buy it. Okay. Uh, I will buy a combination of both of those theories. Uh, <laughs> and I, I absolve Section 31 security uh, from all uh, errors. And then there's a nice scene where uh, Burnham and Spock are on the shuttle and she uh, is trying to break through to Spock and she uh, quotes Alice in Wonderland because uh, thanks to their mother, they're both obsessed with Alice in Wonderland. Uh, and uh, then uh, she says, hey, database, uh, search for the, these numbers and find uh, any matches. Um, and in the entire Starfleet slash Federation database, there's only one match for this string of numbers, which I find hard to believe, but... Mm-hmm. Um, it is very exciting because it is the coordinates for Talos for OMG. Yeah. <laughs> I I wrote a bad word down in my notes at this point. <laughs> was it uh, Frick? <laughs> it was not. It was more of a shimini shamini shoot. Ah. <laughs> kind of. Uh, preceded by oh. oh. <laughs> it was one of those. I mean, Talos for is the from the original Star Trek pilot mm-hmm. with Pike, mm-hmm. right? But also with with Spock. Mm-hmm. And so apparently uh and one thing that I assume we'll see it next week, but I, I was surprised by is that when Burnham is like, well set a course for Talos 4, I really expected the computer to say, well, uh, no, that uh, you go there under the death penalty. It, General but, Order 7 says you cannot navigate yeah, to but Talos. Per- perhaps four. Perhaps they saved that for next week, but it was a great moment because it's like, whoa, wait a second. Like of all the things to be revisited on Star Trek or <laughs> or sketched out, Talos 4 is not one that I thought anybody would put high on their list. No, it was yeah. not even on my list, but so excited. <laughs> I, I had to be like, did I actually hear them say Talos 4? <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a little worried. There was an episode. I don't 
are you worried about spoilers for the original series? <laughs> no. Or, I, no. There's this, there was this moment earlier this season when there's something there's something that Pike said that made me think about Pike in the original series, and I was like. <gasps> Oh, oh well, he no. gets a fortune that's left over from Lorca yeah, that yeah, says like not was, every cage mm-hmm. is a prison or whatever it is, which is like yeah. the foreshadowing of him uh, when he gets burned yeah, and in stuff in the menagerie mm-hmm. being taken there by Spock. Uh, and I wonder if if we're going to see uh, like foreshadowing of that too. Like, yeah. like if you do the Telosians say to Spock next week, um, now that we fixed you and you're all fine and you know, you should shave, uh, but uh, <laughs> because we don't have hair on Talos for, uh, <laughs> but like if you, if you or anybody, you know, who is a friend is horribly uh, injured in an accident, <laughs> bring them on back or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Probably not, but you never know. So yeah, but Pike has uh, Pike and Spock have already been to Telus four in this timeline, right? Yeah. And, and so, number one, right? And, and number and, one, and that, the yeah. whole Enterprise crew of yeah, because this is set after the the cage, so it's like five or seven years or something like that. It's it's a few years later after after the cage when so Spock has been there before, and obviously I think we can read between the lines here that what Spock is really doing is trying to get a message out to whoever is listening that um, he's so mentally messed up that the only people who might be able to save him are the incredibly powerful telepaths on Talos Four that nobody knows about because it's supposed to be a secret. Hmm. Mm. I'm so excited, and then I thought, well, they're not gonna. It's going to be like they're going to fly past it and then they're going to, you know, not, we're not going to see any Talosians. So, so spoiler uh, for the next time trailer, mm-hmm. there are a couple of people with big heads in it. Mm-hmm. So. They look a lot better now than they did in the past or future. I, I kind of like the, ve- the veiny, uh, big headed old ladies. pulsating veins. <laughs> <laughs> they still have the same fashion sense, though. So I, I'm glad yes. to see that. Who doesn't like a gray robe? Come on. <laughs> with some uh, they chunky They go with necklaces. everything. Yeah. yeah. You accessorize that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's yeah, that's where we leave off. The the uh, the big discovery haha, is the uh, Talos Four is uh, where we're headed. Yeah, uh, so excited. Yeah, and then and uh, Tyler and uh, Pike seem to have come to some kind of uh, understanding. Oh, they have a little moment, yes, right. And that, that sort of yes. but Discovery's yeah, just kind of off right. doing whatever, and we don't know, you know. So so they're separate. So unless. Unless uh, Burnham radios into the sky, I feel like we're going to have another bifurcated uh, story next week as well, because you've got Discovery off doing whatever it's going to do next, and then Burnham and Spock are going to Talos 4, apparently. Ooh. Oh, so exciting. Mm-hmm. So, Lee, this is your first uh, time visiting us this season. It Ooh, is. What did you think? Uh, well, what do you think of this season overall so far uh, in comparison to season one? I really like it. I was a little down on last season. Like, I was really excited to have new Star Trek. And I think I remember saying this on the Vulcan Hello before. I was super excited to have new Star Trek, but it was really dark. And I feel like. Th- this year is more what I need as a viewer. It's, I mean, it's dealing with heavy stuff and there are definitely dark moments, especially the last couple of episodes, um, literally dark moments in dark <laughs> rooms. Um, but I, I feel like it's a little bit more balanced. Um, so it's working better for me. And again, just having more of the bridge crew involved and having, you know, getting to know more characters. Um, getting Hugh back, uh, like all of that is really, 
it's really working for me. And that, it isn't to say that I hated the last season, but I was a little bit iffy about it. And I was a little bit iffy about how I would feel about this season, but I'm much more enthusiastic about it. Also, there are far fewer subtitles, and I really like that hmm. because I still dislike <laughs> the font choice that they made for oh. uh, for subtitles. I think it's hard to... Small caps, yeah. not easy to In read. In the US, not on Netflix, apparently, and the rest of the world where the subtitles are using Netflix's uh, subtitle system and are fine. Oh. Uh, but we get the burned-in ones here in the US. Lucky you. Yeah. Mm. Oh, man. Stupid Klingons and their stupid fonts. Yeah, I know, right? They need to get with it. Uh, well, I mean, it was worse, Scott. They used to use Comic Sans, but <laughs> you know, it's more readable. Yeah, maybe Ooh. so. Maybe so. Well, papyrus. I, I, a red angel has come from the future and say that Klingons from the future use papyrus. So. <laughs> Sorry, bad news, everybody. Oh no! We've cracked the code finally. <laughs> That's right. I got some red yarn here. I'm tying it around my my red angel yarn angel whatever it is <laughs> we're doing we're doing good work here mm. i think uh we're doing thirsty work though I've, I've worked up a mighty thirst jason do you humans drink tea <laughs> we drink so much tea oh boy so nmtco.com slash tv for the special code that will give you a discount on your tea order they have a couple of star trek themed things on that page you can do our little survey for our silly game show that we're going to do down the road and uh and yeah i i enjoy i got the little package of of tea from them and i'm looking forward to trying out some of the other flavors there too but i also have their uh, english breakfast or their irish breakfast almost every morning so it's good stuff you can order it i get the big the big package the like giant the biggest one you can order and then i just uh i put that in a little tin day to day and it's great it's great deal good value and uh tasty tea so that's my pitch for you only need a teaspoon uh, of the the tea to uh, make some tea that's right that's how they get the name oh see i I never thought about that it makes it makes perfect sense now yeah and if you use a tablespoon you'll make a table (laughs) that's that's interesting uh don't don't take your it, it, it has to be true. It's very it's logical. Science, yeah. That's for the uh, New Mexico podcast. New Mexico Table Company, completely different sponsor <laughs> next year. Next That's year. right. Next year. Yes, we will. I'm looking forward to that. And, and Aileen, thank you for joining us uh, and classing up the joint. Thanks for having me. It was our pleasure. Yes. Uh, live long and prosper. Yes. You too. May we all. So say we all. So say we all. Well, that's wrong show. Genres. <laughs> yeah. uh, genres shows. May the force be with you. <laughs> uh, no, I, to live wibbly wobbly, timey wimey, <laughs> something. Uh, fish yeah. fingers and custard. I anyway, have some time tea. Ah. I ordered some tea. We'll be back next time week for more <laughs> time <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> time goodbye.